Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And today I've got with me documentary filmmaker Daniel Draper. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Steve. You okay? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Do you want to tell us the name of the documentary you're, you've come on to talk about? Uh, yeah, so the documentary is called Nature of the Beast. And it's a documentary about the Labour politician Dennis Skinner. So that, that's the kind of the high levels. Of, do you want to get, do you, is, is there a way? Do you think this, I mean, that's, that, that's not the shorthand way. Is there, which, is there a synopsis you give of like, what it's actually about? Beyond the uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's you know it's a look at you know the career of you know the politician Dennis Skinner as well as sort of like you know, an examination of his hinterlands because you know he's known as you know being a trade unionist, a socialist, and a politician. But yeah, yeah it's about sort of you know the man behind the beast, if you like. Indeed, indeed. And um, and I suppose we just talked off air there before we started. Recently, this uh, this documentary gets a. Glowing review in the Guardian. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Peter Bradshaw gave us four stars, which uh, yeah, I'm sort of made up about because, uh, as I mentioned, I didn't even know he was going to uh, review it, but I just woke up one morning and someone texted me. What, what review in the Guardian? What from the review do you think he? Was there anything that surprised you about what he said, or was there, was there something you were pleased he he he, he was able to tell people through the Guardian? Um, I was. Uh, I like the fact that I think he called it like, uh, a tender portrait of a Labour Titan. I quite like that. And he mentions the magnolia tree, because there's a sequence in the film about a magnolia tree in Hyde Park, which uh, was really important to us when we were filming. Uh, yeah, that, I'd say that was something that really uh, stood out and I was quite happy about, because uh, yeah, we put a lot of focus on filming that tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it's, 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 got some in- it's got some interesting turns for... What what I perceived going into a documentary about Skinner, it wasn't it wasn't everything. I th- it was everything I thought it'd be, and then there was lots of things that I didn't. I mean, there was the, the 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 portrait of the man as opposed to the politician, if you can separate the two, is probably the most in, is most surprising part of it in terms of what people might know of his public persona. Yeah, as, as, that's a lot of feedback we're getting actually too from the film. Is you know people think that you know the film is just going to be about you know the sort of his political career and you know the fire and brimstone that you see in Parliament. But 
from from very early on, we decided to you know look you know look at the man himself, what drives the man, you know what is behind his sort of working class upbringing, behind his views, behind his passions, because you know you could go on Wikipedia and type in Dennis Skinner and you'd find out everything he stands for as a politician, but you know you know what films he likes, what books he likes, you know what trees he likes, so that was always the you know the plan from the very beginning to sort of explore that side. So, so going back to where you where you start a film like this, is this is this Dennis Skinner coming to you and saying, "Do a film about me"? Is it you going out or do a film about Dennis? How does the conversation come up, or how does the project? Start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly not Dennis coming to me because yeah, <laughs> he's very sort of he's very wary of journalists and uh, you know what he calls media types. Yeah, because I think a lot of people spin his words if you like. Mm. But uh, no, I inter- I interviewed him about four years ago for a short documentary I was making about the. Um, a book called The Ragged Trouser Philanthropists, which okay. um, changed my life, that book, in a, in a lot of ways. Hence, uh, you know, the reason why I've made this film today, but, like, politically, it changed me and it really affected me. So after interviewing Dennis about this book, because obviously he's a fan of the book himself, uh, I sent him a letter just saying, I'd love to make a film about your life, your contribution to politics, what have you. Uh, and I forgot about the letter. And then one morning, I can it was literally three years ago this month because I, I can pinpoint it. It was a Sunday morning at eight o'clock, yeah. and my phone started ringing. And uh, unfortunately, I'd been out the night before for about drinking for about fifteen hours because it was the Merseyside derby the day before. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was in a it was, it was that derby where Jackie Elka like snatched the draw. So oh yeah, screamer yeah. In the last minute, so I'd been out for about fifteen, sixteen hours, and then the next day, my phone's ringing. I picked it up and it was Dennis Skinner, uh, and we spoke for like two or three hours on the phone. I was so hung over, I thought I, I was hallucinating. I had to like email him that evening, say like you know, make sure they actually did call and it all happened. Um, but yeah, we spoke for ages, two hours on the phone about everything, you know, from cinema to football to musicals, bit of politics, and I think that conversation coupled with me interviewing him for the other documentary, he sort of you know knew which side of the fence I was on, so he trusted me to make the documentary. So just 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 rewind a second there. You say that the the, the, the ragged philanthropist changed changed your political outlook. In in what way? Was, was... well, I've always been sort of um, you know just political, just um, from you know from growing up in Liverpool and mm. from a working class family, you know, to vote for Labour and what have you. But I read this book it must have been five years ago or something. It was a time when I was sort of unemployed. I was staying in a house and never. Um, had the heating on anything and I read this book and it just literally sort of opened my mind to how the world really works and just how powerful it was because the book was written 100 years ago and how relevant it was you know you're looking at stuff about you know casual labour you know how capitalism still sort of like exploiting the workers how the workers unknowingly sort of fall into the capitalist trap and blame each other or blame those below them mm. literally the sort of yeah opened my eyes so much and put a lot of things into perspective to the point where I had to make a documentary about it because then I found out that after reading the book the author of that book Robert Tressel was buried over the road from where I was living just like coincidentally no way uh, yeah yeah he's buried in a porter's grave in Liverpool um, I never knew that I never knew that no neither did I yeah some taxi driver told me after the night out again I was you know I'd been drinking again Uh, and the next day I thought I was imagining that because the taxi driver said Robert Tressel was buried over there I was like well I've just read this book and it just blew my mind Mm. So when you when you've had this two hour conversation with 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 Dennis then about 
about I guess I guess that was was that him giving you a picture of himself or was that feeling you out or was that you trying to get a sense of where the story could go? Yeah, well, I think I think that uh, I think he was feeling me out, um, obviously. And then after after I spoke to Dennis, I sort of you know come up with a, a script, a shooting script, what we wanted to cover because I knew little bits about Dennis, and luckily his autobiography came out just after that, so I read all of that and made little notes. Um, but what was interesting, the first day of filming, uh, I don't know whether they thought we, we were just going to do one interview with him for the whole documentary, but I, I showed him the questions as we were about to start filming, mm. and he's going, these are good questions, but they're all political, you know, do you want to see another side? And I was like, yeah, I do, but I'll be showing you that at another point. Ah, okay. Type thing. So basically, you, you, you sort of, you use your opportunities to speak to him to sort of mine a certain area with him, as opposed to go everywhere wherever the conversation went you were like here's a conversation we'll do it about this and then yeah yeah that's it so uh, we split uh, the interviews up into three sort of key areas um politics which we shot you know in parliament um nature and his upbringing around like in the Derbyshire countryside uh, we shot that in Hyde Park and more sort of personal stuff which we shot back home in Derbyshire with him I must admit that the, the the nature stuff, I really, really envy people like him. It made me... <laughs> do you know, because he's... I know got, exactly what you mean, yeah. Because he's, he's made a connection, hasn't he? And as, you know, we're all, we're all just living things, aren't we? You know, we're only here by accident. And the idea of making that connection with the things that grow around us and stuff and feeling you're part of that as much as you're part of anything is is a very, very... I think it's a very, it's a very interesting thing about anyone's personality, I think. Oh no, it is. Yeah, as you say, I'm envious myself because being a city boy mm. and stuff, it's it's really weird to see that. Like you know, that there are working class people from the countryside as well. You know, the mine the mines were in the countryside and little pith villages and stuff. Mm. But yeah, just being from Liverpool, I always associate the working class with like you know the docks and the urban environment. But it was really interesting to see that side of it, really. And yeah, you know, I'd love to sort of have that knowledge and you know appreciation of the countryside like he does. And I loved, I loved the fact, and it, it, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about the thing that Bradshaw picked up about the about the, about the, about the tree, um, in the sense that 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 idea that he brought his countryside sensibilities to the heart of London, um, yeah, yeah, to the point where it was, it was it was almost like a kind of it was a moment of levity, wasn't it? Where it, where you, you 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 show us him saying, and then the BBC asked me to do a TV show about parks of London. <laughs> yeah, when he lives 150 miles away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, isn't it? Really, that you know, obviously being a a country lad, he needs nature to sort of you know exist, for, like inspiration to get out of the four walls of Parliament, and just you know, I don't know if it's in the film. I think it is where he says like he gets inspiration from nature and mm. trees, and as you say, yeah, he's just sort of. I think if you look at Dennis, he does things on his own terms. You know, he's he's incorruptible in the sense like he doesn't go into bars, he doesn't pay and everything. And really, that sort of like transcends into his normal life, but in, into his like sort of personal life because he doesn't just sit within the four walls of Parliament. You know, he's quite sort of his intelligence and his passions allow him to go out into the countryside, which affects his politics. You know, his, it's the same with like his knowledge of Erskine May and the laws of Parliament mm. that help him get away with other things. Well, no, he's a person in effect, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's a human. He's not just a politician. He's a human being that actually, with interest, that happens to be a politician. No, I was going to say, yeah, it's it's like he's driven to be a politician for for the right reasons, 
as opposed to his own personal infamy, notoriety or fame. You know, he's, he's there to represent people. He's there for what he thinks is his justice, which, you know, is right at the heart of where, I guess, where the Labour movement was born, where a desire for socialism in a, in a, in a, in a true sense as opposed to the idea of, well, Russia didn't work, so therefore socialism doesn't work. Um, and, and, and he's... It's his, it's his indiv- it's, it's, it's a weird contradiction of his, his, self-belief, his self-belief in who he is and what he believes in, plus his ability to walk amongst people. And, and I don't mean this like he's like Jesus or something, but, but it's, he's, he's, a very, you know, he's a very charismatic character at the same time, isn't he? I mean, he knows his own mind, but he's also happy being sort of one of the people and man of the people. I mean, that's a hell of, I, that's a, hell of a thing to sort of walk around with, isn't it? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Uh, this is what I've been saying to people. It's really odd because, you know, we've made a documentary about Dennis Skinner because he's seen as being unique because he's so principled and he just represents his community and he's not interested in, you know, climbing the ladder. But that really shouldn't be unique in politics. You know, we shouldn't really have to make documentaries to celebrate politicians that are true to who they are and the, the background in the communities. It's literally like... It's as you say, it's a great contradiction. It's great for us that we're making a film about it, but really, we every all them hundreds of politicians should be as principled, but there's not. Well, I was going to say, I mean, and also, you, you kind of think they should also be bloody ashamed of themselves in terms of, in terms of the, the in terms of what he, he 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 means what he says and says what he means in a way that isn't just about being awkward and stubborn. It's it's based on wanting some sort of greater good, isn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I, I, yeah, obviously you can't speak for them, but I, I think some of them must feel like frauds when they're in this company. You know what I mean? Mm. You look at some of the when you look at some of the voting patterns and and everything, you just think you're not really. You, what are you in it for? And when they, they must be around them, and you must think, you know, I, I like think that he can sense that the sort of phonies, whether he can or not. Well, you know, but I just find it. Uh, yeah, I find it really interesting. The sort of, like, but you know, he's it. He's just, he's just one of us. That uh, you know, being working class myself, I just mm. sort of, I get a lot of heart at the fact that Dennis is still there. You know, some people say he should, he should retire because of his age and long he's been there. But really, we need him more than ever. You look mm. at like, he's still there fighting for the socialist cause. You know, was it last year when uh, the right wing of the Labour Party was trying to get rid of Corbyn? I don't know if you remember that clip where um, Corbyn comes into the chamber and it was all like silent, and Dennis went over to like shake his hand in an act of solidarity mm. and then he put two fingers up to the rest of them you know what I mean and oh. it's just like this is proof that he needs to be there right now and it's almost like a sort of reward having Corbyn as the Labour leader for like you know it was 47 years of sort of dealing with all the um, Labour leaders you know from Kinnock to Blair and what have you well it's, it's, it's quite scary watching the film when you think back to 1945 and what the Labour Party instigated at that point and where we are you know, not not not. You know, seventy years later, we're we're not trying to further that aim at all. It it, it became an experiment then, and and has slowly but surely dwindled, doesn't it? I know that it's it's really sad. Just like what they achieved after nineteen forty five, and sort of how quickly it was being dismantled. Since and it's all, I think Dennis talks about it in the films is like you know he wants to sort of get us back on that road to socialism. You know, and sort of protecting the NHS sort of, you know, nationalising key industries and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing because, as you say, like, 
you know, Dennis was a, obviously he was a young boy in 1945, but he was there to see that happen, and he's seen it destroyed, and he's seen his own communities destroyed. But he's still sort of, I suppose that's, you know, the optimism of the socialist, really, that he's still, he's ready to, you know, pick up that fight again and believe that, you know, we can have it. We can have it again. We can create these things again. What was, um, when, when you spend so much time with someone and, and so sort of knee-deep in, in the story of who he is and what he is, uh, uh, from what you went in perceiving about him, what was, one, what was your favourite discovery about, about him from making a film? My favourite discovery about him, uh, from a personal level, not much, because I, I do think he is a sort of, a very, very sort of, like, basic man in, the great, in, a, great, in a great sense, because he just does have all that passion for, you know, his politics, his community, you know, a hatred of the right wing. So I weren't surprised with anything on that side of things. Mm. What I got on with, what, what, you know, I speak to him quite often, and uh, I suppose what, I found out which I'm really happy about is he's a massive, massive uh, cinema fan. So every time I speak to him now, we just talk about films because, you know, I found out he's a Woody Allen film a fan, which is just like amazing. So I just talk about everything from musicals to films to today. I love getting his opinions on uh, new releases and stuff. You know? <laughs> I think he'd be good on your podcast, actually. He's got some very interesting views on uh, some films that are out now. No, that was again. That was along with the with the nature side of things, which I guess I guess you know once you know where he's from, that matches up. But then, given he spent so long, you know, banging the drum in in Parliament and stuff, it was it was really it was really heartening to hear this side of him talk about. I've watched all of Woody Allen's films, and you know he's this, he's that, and sometimes they're not as good as the other. And I'm thinking, wow, this is this is not just like some passive consuming of. Of film at all, is it? He, he he's really bothered, and and it's that kind of sticking with something through thick and thin and stuff. In in terms of you know, certainly with art, you know, it is always often like that, isn't it? Because you can't guarantee you're going to like it as much as the last one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but it just shows you like you know his interest, you know, because I'm a Woody Allen fan myself, and you know he's made that Woody Allen's made some questionable films in the last decade. You know, <laughs> yeah, as a Woody yeah, yeah. Allen fan, yeah, it's hard to sort of keep up and sort of get motivated to watch a new Woody Allen film. But I suppose, yeah, that does speak some some uh, poetic truth about Dennis Skinner. Yeah, that he's still in there, sort of trusting in Woody Allen's narrative. It's a bit, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like people who follow the band The Fall, isn't it? Is yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There's, um, I've, I've never ever listened to The Fall, you know, because I've well, I've I tried to and I couldn't really get into them. But uh, I read it, Mark E. Smith uh, autobiography. Yeah. Um, recently, and that was absolutely amazing. Like, but yeah, because they've had so many sort of members and so many albums and stuff. I think it takes a lot of sort of uh, commitment to stay with a band like that. But yeah, I suppose you could relate that to sort of anyone who's passionate about anything, whether it be a particular band or music. Well, or I'm just thinking Woody Allen's just got such a big output, hasn't he? In terms of, and that's not always doesn't. And while while a lot of it's celebrated, like you say, there's there's hits and misses, but that doesn't seem to deter him. And 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 you guess you can draw parallels with um, with Skinner's political career in the sense that, you know, his hits and his misses haven't deterred him from from the passion he still has for what he's trying to achieve. No, yeah, that's a, that's an absolutely yeah, a great parallel, yeah, because you know, with Dennis, you know, it's because you know. The labour movement had so many sort of uh, highs and lows. You know, he's been there, it's, and that's what we tried to do in the film uh, cover. You know, there's a chapter in his book called "The Agony and the Ecstasy," and that was something that we wanted to roll within the film a lot and sort of try and use the landscape with to draw. You know, 
parallels with the, his landscape, his native landscape, and the highs and lows. You know, so them glorious like Derbyshire Dar- sort of vistas, coupled with you know the dilapidated mines from mm. the eighties and stuff. That because um, yeah, that was very important to us. Because yeah, it, it is important. You know what I mean? To like show the highs and the lows. You know, even the miners' strike. It was a crashing sort of defeat for Dennis and you know the miners and the working class in general. But the camaraderie together was a sort of you know. It's a weird high because the, everyone came together. The battle was lost, but the unity shown between people, you know, is something else. So it, there's no, always that, like a silver lining. No, that was. I, I remember watching um, the film Pride a couple of years ago, and it was the first twenty minutes that got me because I'd, I'd kind of forgotten how how much unity there was between people with common ground, where on the surface they didn't have any. But because of the, yeah. the common cause, which was obviously against Thatcher's government, they they came together, and you know your, your documentary reminds me of that as reminds me of that fact as well is that, and it's weird, and it, that, I guess that's the one thing that's that seems like um, while there was that unity to celebrate, you given the footage of him later in his career still referencing what they should have done, he's interesting. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's convinced, isn't he, or he's, from what you show in the documentary. That there was certain tactics that he'd missed the opportunity to do, that would have seen yeah, great success. Which is, you know, he hasn't let that go, has he? Oh no, no, he can't because you know it's come so close. You know, he also talks about today. Uh, it's not in the film, but he talks about it recently about you know if people have had mobile phones back then. You know yeah. how, how much it would have played into the, our hands and winning that battle. But uh, just a note on Pride. There's a bit of um, I haven't seen Pride, but uh, so they go on they go on a march, don't they? Pride, and then. Um, one of their reps gets up and give a speech. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, Dennis actually takes credit for getting—I can't remember who the person was—but whoever gets up and gives that speech, mm. um, Dennis is the person who organised that, supposedly. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. There's a, yeah, there's a parallel. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in his book. Yeah, he's like, yeah, they were. Uh, someone didn't want them on the stage, uh, and I made sure they got up on the stage. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that's not covered in the film. But yeah. well, no, not not, pers- yeah. not on a personal level. No, but obviously the 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 sort of '80s sort of you know just just old fashioned homophobia that that would have existed. Yet you know, fighting for each other was the more important thing at the time, and that, that yeah, was, yeah. That, that's part of what the film sort of you know shows a bit of bit a few barriers breaking down. Um, one thing, one thing that, and you've mentioned, you've said the, the the phrase a lot of times now in this conversation is working class. Now, it's a conversation I find really hard because I grew up in you know North Manchester. You know, my dad's from Norris Green. It's oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, that's so, where I'm from, Norris Green. Yeah, I am. Turnham yeah, Cres- yeah. Turnham Crescent, if you know it. Ah, uh, no, bro- by Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um. So very much, you know, come from from working class stock, and and you know, so I, I went to high school and everything, but I think there's been a weird fetishization of of the idea of being working class in in the mainstream media that that, that makes me that makes me turn away from it. But equally, I'm proud to be at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Is, is there anything in particular that makes you turn away from it? It's it's more the fact that people sort of acting down into it to be working class as opposed to just the fact that the working class should celebrate how good they are. You know, obviously Dennis Skinner being a perfect example. And I think I fear, and this is, and I never know whether this is me being uh, 
as a patronising view, looking you know looking through it through dewy eyes or something. But there, there always seemed to you know there was always intelligent people amongst the working classes all the time, and obviously Dennis was product of that. And I feel like society is dumbed down to the point now that we don't. We, I don't know where these are co- where this is coming from anymore, or wh- whether or not even the working class exists as it as it once did. Because what is what is working class? Is that a, is that a, 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 you know a, what you call it? Is it just people that go to work now? Is that what working class is? Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying about working class. It's almost just like people romanticise it. You know, being working class. When you think about it, it's not really that fun, really, because it means you're going without stuff. It's it's just when people get older and more comfortable. I think they're more comfortable saying working class. But yeah, I think I refer to it more than anything else. Is because you know, to the people that need representing more. And I suppose yeah, it doesn't just mean people on sort of zero-hour contracts and minimum wage. But it's about sort of everyone, you know, who is being exploited by capitalism, really, more than anything else, is how I sort of see it. And, yeah, again, if you go back to the ragged trials of philanthropists, it's, you know, it's the people at the bottom of the pile who are basically creating wealth for this 1%. They don't redistribute it, you know what I mean? It's about us having a, you know, a piece of the pie, if you like. Mm. And I think that's what's in, yeah, that's what's important to me. Yeah, so I, I suppose I probably use working class in a sort of more broad term myself, but it's something that I'm really proud of being. You know, it's something mm. that like I pride myself on being. Which it's it's all well and good now. Now that I'm older and a red box, and like I'm working class, working class this. But like as you, as I say, like growing up, it's it's no fun being working class. You know, you are jealous of like sort of um, you know, middle class kids who you know the parents have got a nice car and they've got nice clothes and stuff. But I suppose yeah, the older you can. It's just it's just been built in you. You've got to sort of you've got to want your people to sort of have what's rightly theirs, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. I don't I don't ever want it. To, I don't ever want to feel like it's this idea of of having and have not been some sort of you know sort of snipe snipe. Because I you know you go to university and suddenly the world opens up and you you meet people that own cars and they've never had a job and you're like <laughs> yeah. how, do, how do you own a car? Yeah, you, you're exactly. you're a student. I'm just about, and and that's like you know that's a first world problem. That's hardly you know I was in I was one of the lucky ones as it were, but it is weird as you, as you begin to see that the that the um, the trickle down is not trickling very fast if at all. Oh no, yeah, exactly. If at all, if at all, exactly. So, um, with with the, there was there was a couple of interviews in the uh, in the documentary that I was fascinated with how you presented them. Um, there's the I, I can't remember, it's, there's there's an older woman and then there's the, there's a younger woman later on, and both interviews you let run to the point where the person you're interviewing is stopped and then goes kind of signals to say it's over. <laughs> I is know, that, yeah, that that'll be um, Flo and Louisa in yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah, I mean, is that I mean because obviously none of the interview, the, interview the, the the other talking head stuff isn't like that because obviously they don't lend themselves to it, but obviously they were two kind of portrait interviews. And I just thought it was very interesting that they both did the same thing, where it was kind of like, are we done now? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose that, that, um, the two things are that. One is they both sort of um, ended the interviews on really nice points, mm. I thought, which we could also end, you know, their sections with as well. And two, I, I sort of like just like film things like that, where, you know, they are just normal people. And I just wanted to show the sort of humanity of them, that, you know, they're not natural in front of the camera. Um and just from a documentary's point of view, uh, just showing like you know it is set up. It's not. It's you know, it's you know, with the showing the sort of the stitches of what we're doing and so I quite sort of uh, 
I, I quite like sort of doing that, you know, sort of like not just having these little succinct little um, clips of like what you want people to say and it's all nice and that. I like sort of showing like um, the stitches of where we want to cut and that, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense, and that's what I was—I was—I was, yeah. was, was kind of—I was, I was hoping that's what you were going to say because when you're watching it, it is, it's a real—it really invites you. It, it, it's inviting you in because you're reminded that we're just talking to people who live in the town where he's an MP. So therefore, they're as normal as anybody's normal, aren't they? Oh yeah, and they, just how they sort of like uh, let the barriers down, and some of the stuff they say is not—you know—it's. Like especially Flo the old woman, she talks about you know the people who've died in a house. It's just totally irrelevant to um, you know the interview and to Dennis. But it does. It does. I just thought it like humanising because they are normal people, and you know, and it is important that we hear what they say. And that was a conscious decision just to have his constituents and his brothers in because we didn't want any sort of famous faces just going on about Dennis and how great he is. Like uh, we did interview like Corbyn and Ken Loach and stuff about Skinner. Mm. But we just re- released them online. We never intended them using them in the film ever. We just released them online to sort of like raise the profile of the film. You know, while we were like doing the Kickstarter and stuff, mm. because um, early on it was just a matter of like um, just as constituents, and we weren't even going to um, have his brothers in it. But then uh, when we wanted to like cover Clay Cross and stuff, the, the rent strike there, thought so it was important to get them in because yeah, because at the end of the day, the most important people to Dennis. Not as a person, but to him as a politician, are the people he represents, the people who vote for him, mm. you know, and have done for you know nearly uh, half a century. That was the, the the rent strike thing. For someone, you know, I consider myself to be you know remotely aware of political history and stuff, but it, it really was it really was a kind of one small part of the country was being picked on by by the establishment. For yeah. sticking to its guns and doing what it promised the people that had elected it into power to, you know, to hear the stories of people going bankrupt, you know, and then the other was the, 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 and the like. You kind of you're reminded that you know. I remember I remember I, was, I did some study once where it's like the difference between the media and government is a government can go to war, media can't go to war. It can be influential. Yeah. You know, government can go to war, which is a very big thing that it has on its side that the rest of us don't have. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you say the establishments are absolutely vicious, you know, totally, you know, with a capitalist agenda. You know, the worst thing they want is sort of, you know, Labour councillors sticking up for the people who voted for them. And, um, you know, that was a valiant fight that um, two of Dennis's brothers and the rest of them got into. And um, they paid a heavy, heavy price for yeah. it. No, they like, did, They yeah. really, really did. Right. And, and and from just thinking the way the way you portray the brothers with that the four of them around the table, it it really works. It, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. It, all, it almost shouldn't work. You giving us that consistent shot of the four of them, but every time I go back to them, it's as fascinating to watch the other three listen as it is to watch the person talking. Yeah, yeah. I keep not noticing um, things as we, as you know, the more times I watch it, you know, you someone speaking, but then you just the dynamic between the four of them, you know, like the little Skinner clan, aren't they? You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, the force to be reckoned with, I tell you. But um, yeah, and but that's what we wanted to portray throughout the film. That you know, talking before about like how Dennis is not unique. He is unique as a politician, but just as a man, he's not unique because he's just he's just a product of a sort of environment. He's working class from a mining community and he's literally just got the principles that his mother and father had and that his brothers are exactly the same you know 
and you know, I'm sure if like uh, his brother Graham was in Parliament, he'd have been sort of exactly you know on the same level as Dennis, but he just never got there. And maybe that's to say that maybe you haven't got enough sort of uh, you know, I was, I was going to say normal, but uh, to use the word again, sort of working class politicians. Maybe if he did, you know, there'd be a different perception of politicians on the whole. You might have more sort of people, principled people. I'd like to think. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it, it's it, the, the idea of um, it used to be people worked through the trade union movement and became Labour MPs, and then at some point the idea of a parliamentary Labour Party began to change all that over, say, the last thirty, forty years, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis mentions that in the film, doesn't he? He says, you know, you know, because uh, he hasn't been on the BBC. He hasn't, mm. Well, he hasn't been on Question Time since 1990. Yeah. And uh, he hasn't been on the BBC for a while. And it, it, I think it was uh, under Kinnock, he was told, you know, the BBC were told not to let Dennis Skinner on the BBC because he doesn't represent the Labour Party. What they meant was the Parliamentary Labour Party, which, you know, as a lot of people know, over the last two years, because they're like... Um, with the, you know the Corbyn leadership, there's a massive difference between the parliamentary Labour Party and the membership. Mm. And Dennis represents the membership, you know. No, totally. totally. Well, you know, a large portion of the membership, I'd say. So it, when when you were put, you, you said at the beginning you 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 had your set of questions for different themes and stuff. But how did you when you when you've got everything and you get into the edit? I mean, documentaries are, are you know are, are sort of infamous for being like these these things that just end up growing and growing, because where do you stop in terms of interviewing? So what were the storytelling challenges for you when you began to pull it all together? Yeah, well, so as well as sort of, I think we shot like over 22, 23 hours, but we shot over a period of like 18, 19 months because of Dennis's schedule. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Sorry, the question was the challenges that arose. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, to make the to make the narrative as, as as what it ended up being, you know, you obviously had a lot of inform, inform, interviews and footage you didn't need in the end, and stuff you want, and you must have had to choose between this or that at some point as well. Yeah, well, you know, that's um, the main sort of um, criticism of the film from people seems to be that um, we don't cover Brexit and we don't uh, cover uh, the Corbyn leadership, uh, which is something that we wanted to stay away from because we didn't want to put anything in that would date the film. So throughout the filming and the, the planning of um, filming, we just wanted to touch upon stuff that sort of represented who Dennis was, you know. So, you know, we don't have to talk about Corbyn, but we don't have to talk about Brexit, but we know through, like, sort of Dennis's involvement and actions throughout his career that we know where he stands on them without having to say it, if that, if that makes sense. No, I mean, you'd have to be a bloody idiot not to realise that the context of where you're shooting this is in the middle of all that, you know. It's... it's... It's the subtext to the documentary, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Though. It's like I don't, I didn't feel like I didn't, I wouldn't even know how. I thought if we would have covered Brexit, it would have looked random, and you know, maybe it would have had the the, the the documentary might have seemed more urgent. But I think time might be kind to the documentary and the fact that we haven't covered such pressing things. But you know, we know throughout. You know, we don't we don't really cover like Blair Blair's um, leadership or like Kinnock's. We touch upon it slowly because. We know Dennis is a socialist, and so we know where he stands on them things. It's more about sort of what Dennis represents, you know, from his, you know, about about his uh, about fighting for his class and being a socialist. So hopefully, we took like the things we do choose speak for other things that we don't um, cover. No, no, I totally agree. Hopefully. I, th- I think no, well, certainly that was my experience watching it. Is that you, you, 
you give you give us key points in his political history which are important to what he represents. There may be not key milestones in terms of how other people might view what's happened in the Labour Party, but equally, the the big the big things that you do that I think people who won't, who, who aren't aware of, of him as a person, all the stuff about him and his love of nature, love of film. I mean, his brother's talking about the fact that equating the mother's ability to remember song tune, song lyrics, and that being where he gets his brains from. It's just beautiful. And all, it, it, we had um, it never, we never actually done it in the end because it, it just it was just proven too hard to cut together. But we had a list of parallels of Dennis, you know, throughout sort of his whole life and career, like from what he's done in politics to like his personal things. And we wanted to sort of have a few sequences where we sort of you know, interweave these things like as you were talking about his, his mother's memory and the singing and his memory and the environment. And there's a bit like a, he's he's like an expert at like Killer Sudoku, Dennis. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. So the, the, we want, I, I really wanted to cut like one sequence of like Dennis doing Sudoku and like quick close ups of, you know, the puzzle slowly like being filled into the point where it's completed. But intercut that with um, the bit that we use where they, um, like he snookers Enoch Powell on the stem cell research bill. Mm. You know, and just use that sort of power. Like, it's the same thing in his head, you know, as he's sort of doing a killer Sudoku. It's the same thing as, like, when he has to sort of study Erskine May, you know, and his filibuster on Enoch Powell to, you know, stop um, the stem cells um, bill going through. Because if you look throughout his sort of his whole career, it's all the same. He's a, he was a long distance, like, runner, mm. uh, which you covered in the film. And. We, I don't know. I don't think it's in the film. It's been a while since I watched it now. But when he was, when you know, as 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 a as a runner, he used to say rhythm was really important to him. As running, you know, when you have to like pick up the speed, slow yourself down, you know, mm. that type of things. Yeah. And that's something now that he uses when he speaks. You know, when he does a speech, even now, like it's that rhythm is still massively important to him. And that's the thing with Dennis is sort of. This is why, like, I think we were talking before about he's a politician with a personality. Mm. The sort of him as a person seeps into him as a politician, like throughout his whole life. It's it's just it's just really sort of, you know, even even he loves singing and stuff. And I suppose singing is performing. He's performing work in men's clubs. I suppose like given if you're giving a ten minute speech about sort of the manners in Parliament, it is a performance as well at the same time, isn't it? Because you've got you've got to hold an audience. There's cameras there, type thing. So. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, that's what's really interesting about them. I think that observation. I was going to say, I think that observation you just made, Dan. I think that sums it up in a nutshell. Really, it's that the, the the personality infiltrated the politician and not the other way around. I think what we see all too often is that personalities come along, and then they're infiltrated by the idea of being a politician, which destroys personalities in some senses. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Sometimes. The, there's politicians, when you see them being interviewed, I've seen Steve Rodden being interviewed on something the other day, there was something George Osborne said about the high-speed rail thing, and Steve Rodden and Rand said, I couldn't understand it. He, <laughs> said, he said everything, but he said nothing. You know, it was just like, you know, where do you stand on things? You know, which side are you on? You know, just, you know, call a spade a spade. That's what people want when it comes to the politics. I think, well, that's what a lot of people, the majority of people want. And I think that's why Dennis does. You know, he's just popular because he does call a spade a spade, and he is somewhat. You know, it's just like he says something that uh, a fellow in the alehouse might say on a Friday, but he says it in Parliament. Now we're talking on Thursday, the fourteenth of September. So, just so people listening, we have this next bit. So, how can people see the film? 
Um, so we've got a run in uh, a load of independent cinemas uh, across the country. They're, they're all up on our website, which is dennisskinnerfilm.co.uk. Okay, I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, there's a screenings tab for that. Um, as well as uh, the independent cinemas, we've got a whole load of sort of community screenings. Okay. So that's something we're really, we're really concentrating on and, uh, you know, encouraging people to host their own screenings of the film, uh, wherever it is, you know. So, you know, we've got people doing it in... Uh, you know, the bed shed in Wakefield, in community centres, in churches, um, in tiny little cinemas, boutique cinemas, uh, community cinemas. Because that's what we want to do. We want to use the film, not just to, for people to watch it, but to have a conversation afterwards about, you know, the themes of the film. Mm. You know, Dennis's politics, you know, socialism as a sort of theory, you know, whether, you know, this country could, um, you know, work under socialism or, you know, Jeremy Corbyn's... Uh, politics and that's what we want to use we want to use the film to like engage people it may not even go to cinema sometimes because it's you know it's inaccessible but to sort of yeah use it as a tool just as well as just a bit of entertainment you know and hope and that's that's a big part of community cinemas uh screening sorry so anyone who wants to do a community screening we're sort of trying to help out best with so there's a nice mix of you know like it's it's playing in the Odeon in Covent Garden next week all right and then it's playing like sort of in a tiny church in Edinburgh and weeks later, and that's something which I love that our films like playing on all sorts of platforms to sort of all, all people. Which is which is a strategy that the guys who did the, the Minus Track documentary did, didn't they? They they uh, I know they played at a community cinema in Walthamstow near me, and that was very yeah, much part, yeah. part of their campaign. Yeah, because that was great, Doc. I actually got in touch with um, the producer, Mark Lacey, but that, he was incredibly helpful because that's something we wanted to do from the very, very off. And, mm. you know, they nailed it. They don't, they are, they're the great sort of campaigning sort of with their, their community screens. Uh, yeah, if we could follow their template and, their, you know, execute it well, then we'll be doing all right because uh, that was a great Doc and it's done well. Well, here's to the socialism of cinema then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fabulous, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for giving us your time on the podcast and I'll put all the details in the show notes alright pal cheers for that have a good one if you don't already subscribe to Britflix just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly thank you Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.